right, all right, all right. Day 85. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so this is the last episode of 2 Samuel, right? So 2 Samuel uh 21 to 24 and you know uh in first and second samuel we've just seen um you know the rise of the davidic kingdom right god promised to uh or, or god chose this man david to bring his kingdom on earth and now we're in the last section kind of this last era of david's kingdom now as we finish these last four chapters uh if you've read today already you see uh, just a series of events. And I want to just say that these last four chapters of Second Samuel are not chronological. They're more theological, right? They're not given in uh, this historical, strict chronological order in the way that they happen, but they're given to make a point about the life and reign of David. And this section, <clears throat> this section deals with David's relationship, primarily with David's relationship with the Lord and how that was the most defining characteristic of this man's life, even in spite of his sins and failures, right? And so chapter 21 starts and the text says, hey, it's a famine in the land. Stop right there. Whenever you see in the Old Testament, especially that there is a famine in the land, that is a sign of God's judgment right in the old testament period when this happens that is a sign of god's judgment remember ruth right in the days of the judges there was a famine in the land right deuteronomy 28 tells us this as well what happened was this it was a famine in the land because the lord was upset about what saul did in um persecuting the gibeonites right why because israel when they came into the land in joshua chapter 9 they made this oath this covenant with the gibeonites that they wouldn't persecute them and so when saul comes on the scene he breaks the covenant and god brings the judgment now in the time of david why is that significant because we see that the lord takes the concept of covenant of oaths so seriously that long after saul is gone he still brings the punishment for breaking that covenant right and you see that david is going to provide atonement right he's going to uh fracture the broken relationship between the house of israel and the house of the gibeonites by um, executing justice on seven of saul's people and his family and what's interesting is this the irony is that david keeps his oath to jonathan right and to the lord and david was serving justice at the same time because of an unkept oath right and so you just see um, that in this, uh, because David says, I will not uh, destroy anyone from the house of Jonathan and the house of Saul or, or from the house of Jonathan, excuse me. Um, and so you see here that the Lord takes the concept of covenant and oath so serious that he's willing to punish even generations later. And listen, this is important for us because our salvation comes in the context of an oath or a covenant. Right. And this covenant is something that the Lord won't and can't break he has promised right from the from 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 every single covenant in the entire old testament he has promised to be our god and we his people this is an oath the lord will not break and promises he will make good on in second samuel 22 we have you know the longest uh recorded speech and song of david uh to god in scripture right and 
um, you know, it, it basically just talks about all that the Lord did for for David and who the Lord is. But particularly, um, it talks about why the Lord delivered and saved and blessed him. Right. And so, again, David was this man who had this special relationship with God, even in spite of his failures. And so verse 21, he says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Right. Delivered me according to my hands. I've kept the ways of the Lord. I let all of his ordinances guide me. You repaid me according to my righteousness. Right. And it's so many layers to to this song and these psalms, and it parallels with a lot of psalms, which we'll get to the next book we'll get to. But um, David is just clear here, right? Like, and he's not <clears throat> saying that he was saved uh, uh, ultimately by his works or anything like that. But he is saying that the Lord rewards obedience. the The Lord does reward faithfulness, right? Um, the faithfulness of His people, and David is exhibit a right he's like yo lord you've done all these things for me and we see in the righteousness of david uh it's a reason to praise and i think um we can even take the layers back even more and saying listen the true and ultimate david the lord jesus who is perfectly righteous who never sinned gives that same righteousness to us to those who are united to him by faith and that is uh, that that the praise that comes from that um, should be, as as John always says, the reflex of the soul. Those who've been made righteous by God should give back to Him praise as a reflex of the soul. And finally, <clears throat> in twenty three and twenty four, um, you know, twenty three, David is going to present this oracle of the ideal of a righteous king, right, and how the Lord used him and all of david's warriors all his homies <laughs> gonna get the credit too right so the text is going to speak of david and his warriors and his friends and all of these other guys um that the lord used in helping him in battle and in war and i just want to say this i think david in scriptures tells us that it's okay to attribute some of your success right some of your blessings in life some of your opportunities you've had to other people right that doesn't rob god of glory right and david <clears throat> in the text here is clear about that right that other people had a hand in david's success as well and god used those other people to have a hand in david's success uh as well and so finally 2 samuel 24 i love how the book ends right to show you that david is a good king he was the king israel needed he was the king chosen by god but guess what he's not the perfect king right and it shows us uh at the end of this book one of david's sins right so david sins and he sins by making this census right so he takes the census of all the people before they go out to war david takes the census he feels guilty so he confesses that he sinned a prophet comes to him and is like hey man you sinned you got three choices for the lord to execute his judgment and i love what david says he says hey you know let me fall into the hands of god not in the hands of man why because in the hands of God, the God that, whose hands I would fall into, he is merciful. And I wonder for us, when we think about God, when we come to the Lord and we know we've sinned against his law and his word, do we say the Lord is merciful? Do we really believe that God, even though he is a God of justice, he is also a God of mercy, right? David knew that he would not experience the justice the justice of God without the mercy of God. And so God relents and David in the line of the other prominent biblical figures builds an altar. God is merciful 
Uh, he sends a plague. He lifts the plague. He builds an altar. David builds an altar. And he is able to sacrifice and worship to the Lord. One of the things I must say about this last text, and people often miss it, the significance of this place, my guy, right? Um, David is told to go and set up an altar to the Lord at the place of Ornan the Jebusite. Why is that important? Well, the the threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite that David purchases, where he builds the altar, um, Jebusites, the the, place, the site of Jebus uh, or where the Jebusites lived was changed to Jerusalem. And the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite that David purchases will be the same exact place where Solomon builds the temple. Why is that important? Because where Solomon builds the temple, at the temple, sacrifices will be offered to atone for sin in Jerusalem at the temple. Why is that important? Because later, thousands of years later, there won't just be animal sacrifices. The angel of the Lord here who doesn't execute the judgment because of the altar or because of the sacrifice that he offers will not do that when the Lord Jesus comes. The Lord Jesus is going to come to the same place, right? Jerusalem. And he is going to offer the final climactic ultimate sacrifice for the people of God, taking on the judgment and wrath of God. The son of God will bring the salvation of the world to the people of God. So what David does here is setting up the salvation of the world by David's son, but more importantly, God's own son. God is writing this wonderful story about how he's going to bring his kingdom through the crucified and exalted king, the Lord Jesus. My prayer today for us is that when we sinned, when we fall short, we will remember the mercy of God that is ultimately displayed in the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace and your mercy today that we will remember uh, your promises and your covenant that you made with us to be our God and to be and for us to be your people. We pray that your, your son will, will reign supreme in our lives and in our minds and in our hearts, uh, that we would uh, glorify 